good truth in that, hey? That Jesus is the one who sets us free. It's great. Great to be with you this morning as we continue our series on Follow to Lead. And as Kev mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, two weeks ago we looked at what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then to follow Jesus puts us in a position to lead. And so last week we looked at leading ourselves well. And then today we're looking at how we lead in our family. And I want to just start by saying, don't tune out if you think, well, I'm not a parent with kids at home and that's the natural place to be leading in the family. All of us have the capacity to lead in the family in which we've been placed. From children to teenagers to to adults, parents, grandparents and beyond, all of us have capacity to lead in the family we find ourselves. So, it's probably not um, news to you that our immediate family relationships are the ones that often will determine and impact the type of person we become and things like what we value, our worldview, the things that we um, get purpose from in life, a lot of those are formed in the family situation quite often for most of us. Um, So as followers of Jesus, we realise that it's possible you could be the only follower of Jesus in your family. So no matter what age you are, you have a position and the capacity and the power of God in you to actually lead others. And so we want to explore that a little bit today. I think depending on your circumstances, and I know that all family situations are different, Uh, For those in the room today, for those listening online, all of us have probably something or some nuance in our family that is probably different to the person sitting next to you. But we've got to realise that our greatest influence quite often is with family. As we live life, as we go about, you know, the years that God blesses us with, quite often our biggest influence is with those that we would call family. And so I want to give some definition of what I mean by that. So family could be your biological family that you are born into. It could be a foster family that you spend some time with. It could be a family you've been adopted into. It could be just some really close friends, one or two, or maybe a group that you do life with really intentionally that feel like family. And I know it's different for each of us, but there is a sense that there is a family that we become part of, and I think that would be true for most of us. Now, a core belief of the Christian faith is that the church is our ultimate family, the body of Christ, the believers gathered, is our ultimate family, because the truth of Scripture says we are all adopted into God's family and we are children of God. And that happens through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is in each of us when we are followers of Jesus, when we are born again. And that same Spirit, because it's the same Spirit in all believers, is what unites us as family, as children of God. Now, I say it's the ultimate family for two reasons. One, because it's the ultimate family for our eternal destiny, that you will spend eternity with the family of God, the children of God of which you are one, if you're a follower of Jesus. 
and ultimate as in it's the highest order of family in our experience here on earth, and we'll explore that this morning. You know, even, uh, you know, as Jesus taught about this and the, the disciple John picked up on it, he wrote this. He said, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. If we can just get that up on the screen, that'd be great. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. And so we have unity in that together. Now this core belief, we need to have it in place. An understanding that I am, you are, we are, Australian, no, no, not Australian, we're not promoting Qantas, um, we are children of God. We're in the same family. And this eternal reality is something that is, is true for those who are following Jesus. Our salvation is actually a gift and that gift is given with our adoption into God's family. And this is the family, as I said, that we will spend an eternal age with once Jesus brings all of creation back to Himself. Look how Paul writes about this in the letter to the Ephesians. He says, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. So we're actually in this together and that's good news. That is good news because regardless of your... Um, your, your human family experience, whether it's been good, bad, indifferent, or whatever your family situation looks like right now, here's a truth we need to hang on to, that we have been adopted into God's family and it gives Him great pleasure. It's what He wants for us. It's what He provides for us. So that is a real gift that we need to just consider. So this morning, a couple of things I want to look at. So leading in your family has two clear layers. So there's the layer of leading in your, um, your biological family or your physical family where you find yourself and also leading in your spiritual family, in your church family. And I want to explore both those things this morning. So what I would say about leading is that to follow Jesus in order to lead, which is what this series is about, to follow Jesus in order to lead is to lead others to become followers of Jesus. To follow Jesus in order to lead is to lead others to become followers of Jesus. That's why we would lead. So what sort of leader was Jesus? Now, you may be aware of some of this stuff um, about the type of person he was and the way he led and it was so different to the key rulers of his time. And it had to be different because he was actually bringing in a different way to do life. And so there's this point where Jesus had just had to deal with two of his disciples who had this view of Jesus' leadership becoming the type of leadership that the Roman emperor may have had in that day. You know, complete power and dominion. And so two of his disciples had this view that, hang on, that's maybe where we're heading. And so they were arguing over who was going to be, you know, next best 
You may know that story. I'll pick it up in Mark chapter 10. Look at this. So Jesus called these two together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and, they, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Just want you to, to have that ring true. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man, so this is Jesus referring to himself, even I, Jesus is saying, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, leading in your family, your, your physical family, those that you possibly live with, connect with regularly, leading in your family is to serve or prefer others. That's the model Jesus gave. So if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to follow him in the way he led, in the way he served. So to lead in our family is to serve or prefer others. Now this is where I think it gets hard. Because usually in our families, when the doors are shut and no one else is around other than those we possibly live with, this is when we can truly be ourselves. And quite often, the self that comes out is a self that is not prone to serving and preferring others. I'll speak from my example, okay? I won't use anyone else's example. It is easy for me at home to go, man, I just want some things to be the way I want them to be. And I don't feel like cooking dinner tonight, and I don't feel like cleaning up, and I don't feel like talking, and I don't... And all of a sudden, it can be very easy to just be so self-centered and not have that sense of serving and preferring others. And I can be in the middle of that mindset and have all that going on and just being cranky at my kids and just being unhelpful with something that needed doing and someone from church will ring and I'll just turn, oh, how are you? Yeah, great to see you. No, we're doing really good, thanks. And you just put this persona on sometimes But that's, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you know what? When our heart, when our disposition is that I, I will put someone else and someone else's needs ahead of my own, that's the way to do life in relationship with others. And it's hard and we get it wrong, but His grace is great and we get, it, we get to go again. But when it does go well, in those few moments when you go, you know what? I see the washing needs to be done and I don't really need to do it and no one's expecting me to do it, but if I do it, no one else has to. And so you go and do it and it may get noticed, it may not get noticed. Sometimes I have to point out that I did it just so it gets noticed. I don't know if you're like that. But there is a sense of, man, it's nice when someone does something for you that you didn't ask for or didn't expect where someone shows a kindness or an action or serves you in some way that, that you weren't you know, expecting. And imagine if that's our default. And it can be our default when the character of Jesus becomes formed more and more in our life. So kids, I want you to listen to this. There's a great line out of the movie Robots. I remember we looked at it years ago. See a need, fill a need. Imagine if everyone in your family group lived with that motto, see a need, fill a need. We'd be fighting over who was going to do the washing up. Imagine that. 
Who knows? <laughs> so there's this tension, I think. But then in the, other, in the other hand, we can, in our workspaces, for those who are working, for those in church space maybe, we can come along and we can volunteer and we can serve and we can do all these things absolutely willingly and then we go back to our family and not do it too well. And I think, why? It's actually the family, the people that we have the biggest influence on. It's our family that, that we say that we love and we care for and it's our family that we want to protect and, and, and so all of a sudden we, we behave sometimes better in the public sphere than we do in the home. Not so with you. Jesus would say. I, I love wisdom out of the Bible where um, you get people who, who understand this sort of dynamic and I came across this and I really liked it. It's King David and in one of his Psalms, listen to what he says, he says to God, I will sing about your loving kindness and your justice, Lord, I will sing your praises. I will try to walk a blameless path but how I need your help, especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. I love that. I want to praise you, God, for who you are and the life you've given me and that you've adopted me into your family, but I need your help to be the type of person that I need to be, especially in my own home. Love that encouragement. Now, this often, yeah, this might, get out of here. This often is something that, sorry, it's just a bug, in case you couldn't see that on the screen. <laughs> this is something that um, not only is hard to actually look at sometimes for ourselves, but when Jesus spoke to this issue, there's a teaching that he brings that is actually really quite difficult to read. And I want, and I want to bring that to our attention um, as we look at that together. So in Matthew's Gospel, he records these words of Jesus. And he says this, he says, Don't imagine that I came to bring peace on the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Now, a sword divides, okay, and a sword can potentially separate. So I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And that's a quote from the prophet Micah. And then he says, Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Wow. That is a hard teaching. And it's in the context of discipleship. It's in the context of deciding to be a follower of Jesus and what that means to give your life to Him. Yeah, you know, see, so in other passages of Scripture, we see Jesus and other writers in the New Testament affirming marriage relationship, affirming family, affirming raising children, the importance of family, the need to be in a community of believers, we see all of that affirmed and it has a family type feel to it, a lot of that language as we read those things. But Jesus is saying here that to follow Him transcends that. 
It actually goes beyond those physical relationships you have in your family. And this is actually one of the most striking and distinctive and central aspects of Jesus' call to discipleship. It's a hard teaching. But Jesus knew that if people truly followed him, truly followed him and put him as Lord and King, then that would bring potential division even within your own family. And we can see some of that as we read the Scriptures, through the Gospels, through, through the book of Acts. When someone decides to follow Jesus, the impact it has on the family that they've either left behind or the family that they could no longer associate with because that family had other beliefs. Now, this might not ring so much true for us in the Western world, but there are people all over the world today in countries where, where other major religions are dominant, when if someone decides to follow Jesus, it can mean absolute separation from your family, absolute rejection from your family, and sometimes the threat of death from your family because you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Now, generally, we don't live with that sort of tension, but it exists in the world. And so the call to follow Jesus is a significant call, the most significant call you could ever make. And sometimes Jesus tells us that that will bring division even within your own family. Maybe some of you here this morning, maybe some of you listening have experienced that, that a decision to step into a life of following Jesus, a Christian life, has resulted in a breakdown of relationship with other people in your family who don't agree with that, who think that you're feeble-minded to believe in this God stuff. This could be very true for many of us. So please know, but in this, Jesus called to discipleship, Jesus called to follow me, which we looked at two weeks ago, is actually a call to step into the best kind of life that's available to us as human beings. So there is a cost to it. And the cost could be separation and disharmony in family, but it's a call to step into what is best for us, a life with God. And so when Jesus is saying, you know, some translations of that passage that's on the screen, um, some say, you know, unless you hate your father and your mother, you cannot follow me. Unless you hate your son or your daughter, you cannot follow me. And so essentially, there's this, there's this tension here that Jesus is saying that our love for Him should be so important to us that compared to our love for anything else or anyone else, it could look like hate. Now, it's not saying, hate your father and mother, because the call in Christianity is actually love. It's the greatest ethic in, in the Christian life. We are to love people. But compared to our love for Jesus anything else could look like, you know, disdain or, or whatever, because our love for God is so high, is so great. And that's the picture that Jesus is calling us to, as followers of His. It's a big call. It's a really big call. So while Jesus placed people's obligations within the larger framework of God's kingdom and God's family, this doesn't imply that we are to mistreat or neglect our family, particularly if they disagree with us. 
And this is evident through Scripture as well. I want to bring one piece where it talks about this to your attention, where Paul's writing to Timothy about this very issue. And he says to Timothy, give these instructions to the church, that's the family of God, so that no one will be open to criticism. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. So we cannot say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and then we get tension within our family, we can't stop loving those that are in our family because that goes against everything it means to be a follower of Jesus. So we've got to be careful with that. Now remember, relationships go two ways. So we can be the ones who are uh, trying to have a, a good relationship and we can be the ones who are offering peace and love and all that and if that's not reciprocated to us, we can't control someone else's response. But we are called to be people who love. We are called to be people of peace. We are called to be people who, who want to bring reconciliation into re relationships and we will do what we can as followers of Jesus to do that but we cannot control someone's response to that. So that's leading in your physical family. What about leading in your spiritual family or your church family? Because I think we're called to lead in both areas. And again, leading in your church family or your spiritual family is about serving and preferring others to yourself. So Paul writes about this quite often because he wrote to churches who were having issues on how, to, how they were doing life together. So there's a fair bit in his letters. Now, letters like you know, Colossians and Philippians and Galatians and these letters that he writes to groups of people who are following Jesus but struggling with some things. So there's one example here in, in Galatians and I just want to really look at the last bit. So therefore, and he, he does this analogy of sowing and reaping and you sort of get back what you put in and so if we're serving others, it makes sense that we would be served in return because you, you sort of sow what you reap. And verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, he says, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Why? Because that is our true family. Now this is hard for us to hear because family, the, 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 the family group that you possibly share a home with, has been elevated in our culture as the, being the main thing. I've heard people say, I live for my children. I live for my spouse. I live for my parents. And those are good-hearted motives, but man, we want to live for Jesus. We want to have Jesus set apart as the one that we are living for. And when we live for Him, in alignment to the way He calls us, we actually are able to love our spouse, our children, our parents better. But we've got to put things in the right order. And when Jesus is first, when Jesus is Lord, that helps in all other family relationships. I, I like what Paul says to another church in Thessalonica. Listen to this. It, it, imagine if we just did this. Check this out. Get along among yourselves. Each of you doing your part Gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, because that's true, you will get on each other's nerves, 
When that happens, don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Jesus Christ to live. Imagine if the church only had that to go off. That would potentially be enough in a way to do life together in this family that we've been adopted into as God's children. But too often, we can view it in another way and go, no, I'm here for my reasons and the people who are sitting over there, I don't really need to you know, engage with them, I don't need to do too much, I don't need to you know, go and say hello because you know, I'm doing my own thing. We can fall into that trap, that is not what we're called to. Imagine the mindset of turning up to not only a church gathering, but a home group or your, your mindset at work or your mindset in your sporting team where your, your whole thing was, how can I serve and prefer others? How can I actually show the character of Jesus in this place? How can I turn up being willing to contribute and offer myself for others instead of wanting to take and receive? Man, if we, if we did that better, that would shift culture. Not only church culture, workplace culture, the wider culture. When a bunch of people are saying, I am here for you, how can I serve you? What a great picture. So how did Jesus actually speak into this dynamic? And, and we're getting close to the end here because we've looked at what Paul has said, but Jesus even talked about this notion of his family being the, the gathered family of God, the church, the, the people who are choosing to follow him. And so Jesus had just been um, chosen, actually in which passage am I using? Mark, Mark's Gospel. In Mark's Gospel we see early on Jesus had just chosen his disciples, so he'd got those guys together. He um, had been healing some people and was getting some flack for it, as he often did. Um, and people were challenging him about what he was doing. And while he was in this house doing some more healing, and there was people everywhere, this is what happened, and we read this in Mark chapter 3. So Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus is making a really clear distinction here that family is not necessarily just the biological family he was born into, but he's saying, no, no, the people who, who want to get aligned with what I'm, I'm about, the people who want to follow me, the people who are going to be obedient to what I'm saying, that's my true family. That's my true family. Now that same verse, if we look just in two other translations, I like this in the Amplified, it says, for whoever does the will of God by believing in me and following me, he is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, he's part of my family. And then in the message, obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So as we step into our relationship where we follow Jesus, Jesus is saying, you're part of my family. 
and my family's pretty large, and my family has such diversity in it, but that's what I've called you to because that is the best thing for you. Love that picture. So as hard as that teaching may be, where Jesus is pretty clear that it's not just those I'm biologically related to that need to be the most important in my life, that I'm actually called to something that's so much bigger. As hard as that is to hear for us, possibly, I'm always encouraged by the outcome that Jesus promises as he unpacks this. And if we choose to follow him and really put him as Lord in our life, then that lands us somewhere that that we just might go, wow, I didn't expect that. And so Jesus deals with that. So as we continue on in Mark's Gospel, we read this. So Peter spoke up, because Jesus had just said to them, I'll just give you some context, Jesus had just said, hey, here's a rich guy, and this rich guy wants to follow me, but I know that the thing that's getting in the way from him following me is his wealth. And so Jesus said to this particular guy, hey, go and sell everything you've got, then come and follow me. And the guy couldn't do it because he didn't want Jesus as Lord, he wanted his, his possessions as Lord. And so Jesus then says to his disciples, hey, guys, it's actually really difficult for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's really difficult. And so the disciples, thinking, as good Jewish people did, that those who are rich are those who are blessed by God, and in God's favour, that was the thinking of the time, so they were thinking, well, we will probably end up being rich because we're with the Son of God. Jesus turns that on its head, and we find this. So Peter spoke up, well, we've left everything to follow you, he says. And truly, Jesus replied, no one who has left home, or brothers or sisters, or mother or father, or children, or their fields for me and the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age... That's homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with the persecutions that come and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Here's this picture Jesus saying, you know what? When you are invited into, adopted into a larger family, all of a sudden you have more brothers and sisters than you ever thought of. All of a sudden you have more people who can potentially parent you and care for you and mentor you than you ever thought of. All of a sudden you have access to a wide variety of people with life experiences that can help you navigate your own path that you never would have had in your own biological family. He's saying the blessing is there if you truly put me first. I love that picture. So to follow Jesus in order to lead, is to lead others to become followers of Jesus. And we can do that in the families we find ourselves. We can do that in the groups that we spend time with that are a bit like family in the way we have close friendships. And we can do that in the adopted family that we've been called into, which we call the church. All of us have a role to play in that, and I love that Jesus calls us to step into a life of following so that we can lead. Let me pray for us as we consider that. So, Father God, I thank you that first and foremost, you initiate the invitation for us to step into a life where we can follow you. And I thank you that that invitation comes with the gift of your Holy Spirit, which is the, the seal, which is the, um, 
the evidence that we've been adopted into your family and when we realize that core truth that we are part of your family then we can with confidence step into the kind of life that you have designed for us we can be people who can lead others because we know what it is to follow you so i pray for us as coast community church i pray for each of us here who may be listening this morning or, or online that the, the life you call us to jesus is a life to lead and a life to lead others into an understanding and relationship with you so would you show us who those people are in our in our worlds in our in our lives the people who you are drawing to yourself the people that we may be able to to lead and have some influence with would you put us beside people who need to do that for us who can help shape us in our understanding of what it means to follow you what it means to have you as lord what it means to give our life to you and so, Jesus, I just pray that we would have the courage to be people who lead in our family so that your family continues to grow and expand and bring glory and honour to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.